Hey there, Omaha. Welcome into another episode of Restaurant Hoppin'. Thanks so much for stopping in this week. And as a reward for your loyal patronage, I'm bringing you a very special guest. Uh, we're going down the baking route again. Um, I have the owner of the Omaha Bakery. She's a huge proponent of the keto diet. She is a former contestant on the Food Network. This is Michelle Kaiser. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dan, for having me. This is this is just awesome because we we've had so many restaurant episodes and restaurant tours and everything, but we haven't really dived into baking too much. And cooking and baking are often just kind of lumped together, and they are similar because they're done in the kitchen, but they are very very different just in terms of the process and how exact you have to be and everything. So I'm excited to chat with you. Well, thank you. I just want to start from a very high level. Why do you love baking? Because baking, I, I feel like baking is just such a labor of love because it takes so much time. It takes so much precision that the people who are really good at it and have mastered it, it takes, like, you have to love it, like all caps. Why do you love baking? I love baking because it's memories that my grandma pretty much yep. installed in me because I was a young girl at an extremely young age baking in the kitchen on a farm with my grandma. So when I get in the kitchen and create my magic, it's kind of like I, I just have those fond memories where I think of something, anything I make with lemon just totally makes me think of my grandma because my grandmother she always had lemon drops and she was always mm -hmm. baking lemon things and stuff like that. So it is definitely a labor of love. Um, baking is such a science versus cooking that right. you can solve, you know, you make a mistake in cooking, you can fix it in baking. Not always. Yeah, like, you can't open up the oven and take flour out of the pan of brownies. Right. And you can't, you know, like it's, if you put too much salt there, you know, in baking, it's not as easy to fix as what it would be in cooking. And um, I've tried to get out of the baking field and go into another area that I, it, it, years, years ago, I thought I'm just going to get out of the kitchen. I'm not going to bake anymore. I'm going to do something different. And I couldn't like mm -hmm. the love and the feeling when I'm in the kitchen, it just like, it's magic. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to say it. It's just like, it's magic when I'm in the kitchen. So I, I want to go back to where you first started. So you mentioned you kind of got the baking bug as you're cooking with your grandma baking? as, as yep. a child. I'm sorry. Yes. Baking. baking. You grew up in central city. You ended up moving to New York at age 18 to become a nanny. And then you started baking and cooking there. And that's, as I understand it, that was kind of how you fell in love. What is that transition? Like from Central City to all of a sudden you're in New York. Like how did that idea come up and what was that like? So, you know, I grew up on a farm and then um, I just like, I wanted to see more mm -hmm. of the United States. I didn't want to stay isolated in a small community. I mean, like, as much as it was wonderful for me, I wanted to see more. And the craziest part was, is, like, I was so gullible. And I thought that because New York City had water 
along New York, Long Island uh-huh. and that, that I was going somewhere that would be warm year round, like <laughs> California or Florida. Yeah. And the first year there, they're telling me about nor'easters and how cold it is. And I'm like, no, you're <laughs> on the water. We've got to be warm. So this isn't kinda, what I signed up like, for. Yeah. I felt like really stupid because I believed that it was going to be warm, but it was a major transition because, you know, here in the Midwest, if you open a door, you're probably going to hold it for the next person behind you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen there. And people don't smile and wave and do all, like it's they're 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 very um, isolated in their own little world. So they're not focused on others around them, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting because right now what's going on in our world is kind of making me feel the way it was when I first went to New York City because people, it's like they're, they're, they're not as engaging Mm -hmm. in that. So it's kind of an interesting analogy. It's an off topic, but it does remind me of that. And going to New York was because I really wanted to see more. Yeah, I wanted to experience more, and what better way to do it than to go be a nanny and get my expenses all paid for and make a paycheck that I could go shopping for clothes or whatever I wanted with. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was a great experience. And then, like, did you just was baking part of your responsibilities? And then as you started doing it, you're just like, hey, I really like this. I want to you know, explore what this would look like professionally? Like, how do you take that next step? So, um, actually I was a nanny the, for the first year Mm -hmm. that I was there. And then I got a job in Manhattan. That first job was in Long Island. And the second job was in Manhattan where I was a housekeeper cook, Mm -hmm. uh, with Mm -hmm. no budget, do whatever, really a lot of creativities, but I was a slave servant. I was treated like a servant. Mm. I was not like, I couldn't eat with them at their meals. I, I like, I had to spent a lot of time alone when I wasn't working. And when I was working, they didn't communicate at mm-hmm. all with me. So I really didn't like that feeling like I loved what I did, but I didn't want to be isolated that way because mm-hmm. that just felt weird. Mm-hmm. So I left that job and I went around to restaurants in New York City saying, will you hire me? I'll do anything. I'll do dishes. I'll wait tables. I'll bust tables. I'll do, I'll, I'll bake, I'll cook, I'll prep. I'll do anything you want. And the common thing I heard was, I'm sorry, we can't hire you. And this was back in the late eighties. And I was like, why can't you hire me? Like, what's the deal? And finally a general manager said, it's because we are in all non-English speaking kitchen with males and Whoa. you would be very uncomfortable. And I said, I don't care. I, like I can, I can hold my own. And he said, no, he said, really, we, we can't, we can't let you in here. And I, I said, well, so what about the chefs that are women that I'm hearing about? How are they getting in the kitchen? And I'm not. And, um, he said, if you want to get in the kitchen, you have to go to culinary school. I was like, ah, I don't want to go to school. I know what I'm doing kind of thing, right? So I called um, the first school. I got an answer machine. Second school, I got a real person. And I was enrolled to start culinary school two weeks later. And that's how the career came about. 
So you were you completed the program at the New York Culinary Arts and Management School. Yep. You had an a, apprenticeship at a French bakery. You worked another bakery job like on the side. Just how crazy was that time for you? Because that just sounds like just reading it sounds like madness. Two full-time jobs yeah, and part-time jobs walking dogs. So <laughs> absolutely. But I was in my early 20s. So, you know, when you're young and dumb and do whatever kind of thing, like I was a free spirit. I was out there doing whatever mm-hmm. because I wanted to prove that I could do it on my own. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody says you can't do it, boy, that's challenge. Like I am game on. I'm going to do this. So I really felt like, you know, I'd been told you can't work in the kitchen. You're not going to like it. This is hard work. Like everything everybody told me Mm -hmm. and I had to prove them all wrong. And that's what I did. So it didn't matter how many jobs I had to work or what I had to do. I had a eight by 10 room with a community bathroom in the hallway. And my kitchen was a closet with a bathroom sink and a mini stove and a fridge in my main room for a $135 $135 a week, Ooh. and that was over 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So. so everyone is constantly telling you, you're not going to like it in the kitchen. It's so hard. This is so difficult, yada, yada, yada. What was your experience when you finally did get in the kitchen? Was was that kind of, was it all, did you find yourself enjoying it? And it was like, no, you're wrong. Or was it more like, okay, this is really hard but I'm not going to listen to these people who told me I can't do it. What was kind of more of your reality? It was the the true reality was it was very hard. Yeah. It was, there was, it was Hell's Kitchen times 10. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there was not, like my French chef that I did my apprenticeship with was cruel and mean and like, like it was rough and it was about earning his respect. Mm-hmm. And that didn't go easy. Like it took time to really get there with him. Um, but once I earned his respect, then he calmed down a bit because he realized that I was really there to work with him and beside him and not just leave, you know, as soon as my apprenticeship was done. And, and every kitchen I went into, I, I really tried to take the idea of this is a learning opportunity and what am I going to learn from this? And it, even whatever it is, it's something that I'm going to learn. And it was hard. I wanted to give up, but what else was I going to do? Because this is what I knew, like in my sleep, like baking just comes natural. Mm -hmm. When did you realize that you wanted to open up your own place? Well, I've had a few businesses. Yeah. So um, I did open up a bakery in, in New, New York, York City. Yeah. It was called Michelle's Muffins and More, and I supplied espresso bars and cafes. And I did that for not quite three years. So I I knew that I could bake anything, and I knew that I could sell product, but it's a lot easier to sell somebody else's product than your own products sometimes it you really it, you really got to be determined so in new york i did really well but my company needed bigger growth to stay in business and mm-hmm. i decided mm-hmm. i'm coming back to nebraska with my kids and um giving my kids a place to grow up around their grandparents and to really have those role models that i had so i decided to come back and when i came back to nebraska 
I still had my head. I want to be a business owner someday. I'm never going to quit. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's my drive is to have my own business. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to get into this because you kind of mentioned it earlier where you like tried to get out of the kitchen and you just got sucked back in because that's like you, it's in your blood. Like you just you need it. So you move back to Fremont. Actually, no. No, I'm wrong. You're wrong. I moved back to Central City. You moved back to Central City. In my parents' home of all places <laughs> when I was like, oh my gosh, maybe um, let me think here about this. I was probably 28 or so, mm-hmm. which is not a good time to move back <laughs> in with your parents. No. I moved in for a couple months until I could get my own place, got my own place, and um, ended up buying a house in Marquette which is in between Aurora and Central City, uh-huh. lived there, got a job working for the Garden Cafe uh, in Grand Island and um, in the bakery. And again, I was like, ah, this is just, you know, I'm working like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then I wanted to try a catering manager. So I got a position as a catering manager. But then I got another part-time job as a baker because, you know, I couldn't stop the baking. Uh-huh. And it just like I kept on going back. I, like so many times I tried to get out of the kitchen. And it never, it, I always go back to it, right? Uh-huh. Um, I got a job at the post office, DPS and mail. That was another, like, a little attempt to get away from it. But I didn't love it. Yeah. It was good money, but I didn't love it. And, um, oh, about 17 years ago, I moved back from out west to um, Blair. And I got remarried, and my husband and I, we've been in Blair for um it'll be 15 years in october and we've been married 16 years this okay. year so what was you know you're mentioning all these jobs that you're taking but you're not finding you know your true calling there then you open a lot of brownies what was the path to opening that business huh. how, did, how did that get started oh i'm so glad you asked that dan because okay so I had quit. I'd been a bakery manager for No Frills and Blair, and I was doing all these things. And I was like, I'm getting out of the kitchen again. I can't do this. It's too hard on me. And I got a job at Williams-Sonoma selling kitchens, which that was right up my alley. Uh-huh. And then they got a hiring freeze, and I was hired during the holidays, and then they couldn't keep me. So they let me go right after the holidays. So then I thought, oh, I'll get a job at Borsheim's. I love sales. I got hired by Borsheim's. Had to wait four weeks to start training. And during that time, I got a letter. We regret to inform you there's a hiring freeze and we cannot hire you. So I'm like, okay, the only thing I know that I love is baking. I'm going into baking. So I'd been doing all these craft shows and whatever. And Mm -hmm. I decided, you know what? I'm just going to go back into business because I can bake and I'm doing well at craft shows. The the economy was ready to tank right during that time. But I am one of those people that if somebody tells me I can't do something, I'm always going to challenge it. Uh And um, I opened a lot of brownies June 1st of 2009. And um, we opened in Arlington. And I realized very quickly there that if the weather wasn't great, the people coming from Omaha weren't going to come mm-hmm. because they weren't going to make the drive out there. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't 
any foot traffic, really. Most of the traffic that came through there was coming from Fremont. And Fremont kept on saying, you've got to come to Fremont. We need a bakery. And all they had at the time in Fremont was a Walmart bakery and a Hy-Vee bakery. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, this makes sense. And I go to Fremont and I relocate a lot of brownies bakery to Fremont with a seven-year lease and a landlord that was wonderful. He um, financed all the build out, everything that I needed, and I was committed to a seven-year lease in the middle of an economic crunch. (laughs) And you stayed there for seven years. I did. I did. And then you made the decision to come to Omaha. This was in 2016 to open the Omaha bakery, right? Uh, Yeah, it'll be four years October 1st. Yeah. So yeah. So, so what went what went into that decision? When oh. the seven years is up, oh. I, I I've read you know articles and interviews with you that said, well, so much of my business was coming from Omaha anyway. It just made sense to move there. But were like, what were the driving factors? Was it just that? Um, well, there was a lot. So the most of my business was Omaha. I had some community people from the community that were buying from me, but it was. It was such a small community that I never took a paycheck. And the whole time I was in business is a lot of brownies. Oh, really? So um, everything I made just went to pay the bills. And when the economy tanked, we didn't have any money Mm -hmm. at all. Like we had to borrow against my husband's 401 Mm. to stay in business. So it was really, really hard. And um, it came kind of like, the year before my lease was going to come up, the question kind of became, are we going to close completely and I just find another career? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to open in Omaha? And a very good friend who does a lot of my marketing and that for me, he said, Michelle, I think you need to rename, rebrand, and have a different feel for what it is. And um, a lot of brownies says all you do is brownies, Mm -hmm. but your biggest business is wedding cakes. So why not change the name and have something where people, the name fits better what you're doing. And that's how the Omaha Bakery was born. And we did it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's the best decision I've ever made. I will say Omaha is very lucky that you made that decision because, yeah, now we get to have all these fantastic baked goods and it's a real blessing. Um, So what was like, I'm so interesting, you know, when your friend comes to you and says, we need to rebrand this because, you know, a lot of brownies does not describe everything that you're doing. It's not even describing your best thing. So what goes into that decision as you're, creating the space for the Omaha bakery as you're trying to come up with the name, like how do you make those decisions based off of your experiences in the past? So that it was really hard. And when he first proposed it, I was like, no, I don't like, no, let's not even talk about this because I've spent so much money in branding, marketing, um, website, brochures, all stickers, everything for a lot of brownies. I have that look, that feel, that's my, you open my brain and it's sparkly and glittery and it's, that's your baby. That's me. Right. No, we, we can't change that. And he's like, this is what it's going to take for you to be successful. Mm-hmm. How bad do you want it? I'm like, let me think. And it took a few weeks. He came back around. What do you think? I'm like, I don't know. Funny thing, he'd already bought the domain before <laughs> I had agreed to it. 
Really? And then he said, Michelle, what about the Omaha Bakery as a name? And he'd already bought the domain when he said that. Mm-hmm. I was like, I love it. Well, and that that's how nicely, yeah. the Omaha Bakery was born. And it, it like, and it it really, it's so. Um, I feel like it's kind of like timeless, mm-hmm. and it and it's kind of become so, so many. I didn't realize this really up until the last eight months, year. How how many people? feel like it's been here forever. Oh yeah. Right? It's just such a classic name. It feels like a business that's been here since like 1982 or something. Exactly. For reasons but, that I can't explain. It's just like a psychological thing. It is. So it's it's kind of it's kind of weird, but I love it. Uh-huh. And I wouldn't I you know, I I can't imagine any other name and it's classy. But it's it gives you a feel of comfort, mm-hmm. and that's 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 what we wanted. And I just I love places that you can just drive by, and you're just like, you read the sign, you're just like, oh, I know what that is, the Omaha Bakery. If I want like cake or baked goods, that's a place where I can go. It's not like you know some confusing name or something where you drive by and you're like, oh. I have no idea what that means. I'm not going to go to that business. It's like, oh, the Omaha Bakery. I feel like a cookie. I'm going to go there right now. So right. it just works. And it's what's really fun is that from the outside, it doesn't look like much. Mm-hmm. But when you go in and you see all the chandeliers and the drapery and that all of that. That display case with all the goods just, oh, just. Thank you. Yeah. They just suck you in like a tractor beam. It's like, come here, look at all the cakes. Yeah. <laughs> look at buy the brownies. Me, buy me. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm all right here for you. Uh, and, you know, and then how do you even choose when there's a hundred different items on display? It is a torturous, but very pleasant experience at the same time. You can come every sense. day for a year and I don't think you'd ever like have to do the same item because I'm constantly have product changing and evolving and coming up different. So if you came every day for a year, I probably would have that many different items that you could try over a year's course. So that's another thing that I'm really curious about. How does that work? Because I know like you have to, as a business owner, you have to constantly produce, you know, consistent products that customers are going to like. You have to have stuff in the display case but you are also someone who's constantly evolving and trying new things and making new recipes. But like we talked about at the beginning, like it's a very specific process. So I assume there's a lot of trial and error. Like when are you finding the time to come up with these new creations and, and test things out? Is that something that's just going back in the going on back in the kitchen? Are you doing that at home? Where is it? Well, it kind of depends on what it is um, and what I'm doing. Um, I would, I mean, some things, some things I'll give to an employee. I'm like, if I have a lot of faith in them, I'll say, hey, why don't you try this out? Um, if it's something that, like when I bake keto, I do it at home now mm-hmm. because it's just easier. My family is all keto. So why wouldn't I just do it at home? Yeah. So then a lot of times I'll experiment with my keto at home. Um I feel like that's kind of the way that that happens. But we have a dozen employees. And if somebody's in the baking business or they're in that career field, creativity is really important. Mm-hmm. So they, we kind of 
Like a lot of places will say you can only do X, Y, and Z. But in my place, I welcome that creativity because I want to have variety and options. And a lot of people would say, well, if you have too many options, then not everything's going to sell really well. But I want to be known for all those options. I want to be known that you can come in every day for a year and probably find a different product every time you, like something different and unique and Mm -hmm. special. Mm -hmm. So we may try some things and they may not be successful either for taste or texture or whatever it is, or they just might not sell. Mm -hmm. And then we stopped. Like we did a, we did a peanut butter bacon cinnamon roll. How did that not sell? That sounds amazing. Right, right. (laughs) But we didn't sell enough because bacon was so high priced. Oh, okay. We didn't sell enough to justify doing it all the time. Mm -hmm. Were they fantastic? Did the people that get them love them? Absolutely. But we just, like, it didn't make sense to add another role to the mix that wasn't selling enough. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to sell dozens not six of something. Mm-hmm. And that's what we had to make that decision. Well, I think just hearing you talk about that, like that shows your love for baking because it would be so easy for you, especially as an established business owner now to say, okay, I do X, Y, and Z really good. I make really good white cake. I make really good red velvet cake. I make really good sugar cookies. We're just going to stick to that. I know those will sell we have a successful business, but you're not doing that. You're not just sitting back on your laurels. You're constantly testing things. And some things like you just mentioned, some things don't work. Some things should work and don't. And I imagine that would be discouraging, but you still just keep coming at it because there's that love and there's that creativity and you can't like, literally you can't just sit back and say, okay, we're done. We're just going to sell this. You constantly have to be creating. It would be boring if we did the same thing all the time. Uh-huh. So the problem is, well, I don't want to be boring and I want to be creative and I create something new almost every week. We have something new coming out or something exciting that we do. And then people don't want us to stop making it. Uh-huh. So then we have to alternate it with something else. So it's, it, you know, there's definitely a fine line between too much creativity and not enough. Mm-hmm. But for me, I don't want to be bored. So we'll keep on creating. Oh, yes. We're very lucky as consumers to Thank experience you. that creativity. Thank you. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago the keto diet. Mm-hmm. And that is something that... The Omaha Bakery, I feel like the keto is getting very, very popular now. But the Omaha Bakery was kind of on the forefront of that, I would say. Yes. You guys were one of the first in Omaha to really embrace it. And you mentioned you and your family personally uh, practice that and have experienced some really great health benefits from it. What was it that attracted you to keto and kind of got you into it? And why, why do you think it's so important to bring that to Omaha? So um, in uh, March of 2018, I was on the Food Network and it was my rock bottom seeing myself that heavy mm-hmm. on national TV for all of the world to see me. In my bakery when I was 
I was pushing 325 pounds. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was in my bakery, I could hide behind my apron in the oven, mm -hmm. right? And who's going to trust a skinny baker, <laughs> right? So that was kind of the mentality. Yeah. But then I'm on national TV and I see myself and I'm horrified. And I can see the pain that I'm in when I'm walking. All of these things, it just was too much. And that was my rock bottom. So I decided that I would try out keto. And I tried keto. Um, I started July 9th of 2018. And um, about a month into it, my husband was diagnosed with colon cancer. And I he was going to have to have part of his colon removed. And I needed to be at home with him for a couple weeks until someone else could come and take care of him as well. And during that time, I'd already started keto. And I was like, I'm going to start baking keto to see what's going to happen. And the first recipes were horrible. It was the <laughs> nastiest taste and the stuff I'd ever had. But I felt that I this is something that if I was going to be successful, I needed to do this. And um, I made I made this commitment that I, I was going to figure it out. So I started baking keto desserts in um, really, we really started launching them October of 2018. And, um, and we just kept on adding and adding. And we were on the front line of it, on, on the head of everybody else. Mm -hmm. Because there really, there was some trying it, but I believe you have to live it to totally understand it mm -hmm. because... There's so many misconceptions on ingredients and stuff. And if a person is strict, clean keto, they don't want to have a product that's questionable, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So when I lived strict keto for the first year of being on keto, and I still read every label, but now if I want sushi, I'm going to go have sushi because <laughs> yeah. that's my weakness. Uh -huh. but, um, I don't blame you. Uh, but... I, I had like, just because the label would say it was sugar-free or unsweet, unsweetened almond milk, I turn around, look at the label, and, and then there, yeah. when the 65 names for sugar uh -huh. would be on there. So I owed it to my customers to be 1,000% on this and to make sure that if I baked an item, keto, at the Omaha Bakery, I was ketofying it by putting my stamp of approval saying, I know this is 100% keto, mm -hmm. and that's what I had to do. And it just kept on evolving, and it, it went from two items to five items to whole shelf to two shelves to, oh, my gosh, now I got to add another area. Like, it just kept on going and going and going and going. At this point, we do both. Like if mm -hmm. somebody comes into our bakery and they want something not keto, they can buy a slice of cake, they can buy a brownie, they can buy a cinnamon roll, peanut butter roll, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Or if they're on the healthier lifestyle or they're diabetic, they can choose something that we've got. Like we we fit all people mm -hmm. now. That's beautiful. Where before I started baking these healthy options, people would come in and say, do you have anything healthy? And I'd kind of laugh and I'd make a joke and I'd be like, does this body look like it's ever had anything healthy? No, uh -huh. I, I've worked 30 years for this, dude. Uh -huh. But no, now I have healthy as well. Yeah. So keto really evolved 
And it was being on the Food Network. That that was my eye-opener, and that's what really did it for me. Um, to date, I've lost 125 pounds. Wow, congratulations. I lost the first 100 the first year. And the second year, I'm kind of slow moving, but that's okay. Like, it's okay that I'm not losing as much because I've lost a lot in one shot. And now I need, I need to change it up. That's amazing. Thank you. My husband lost 60. Um, we have a 13-year-old daughter. She chooses to eat healthy choices. Mm -hmm. We don't tell her, you have to do this. We let her make all of her choices. So I noticed yesterday... We um, ordered hamburgers out uh, from a restaurant, and she just ate the bottom bun. So that was a step mm -hmm. forward. She still ate her fries, but <laughs> but who can resist French fries? But yeah. she took the bottom of the bun, not the, like so. Just little changes, right. and that's really what it's about. So, just for people, for listeners who aren't aware, the the keto diet it is a high fat, low carb diet that causes your body to, because it's not using carbs for energy, it targets fat for energy and burns fat instead. So that's how it helps people to lose weight. Um, so you mentioned, you know, Omaha Bakery is kind of on the forefront of this, of the, the keto, I don't know if keto movement is the right way to say it, but you know what I mean. <laughs> what was the public's response as you start releasing those products and people come in and they're, you know, they're, they're looking around, they're like, Oh, what's, what's this keto stuff? Like, did people get it immediately? Or was there kind of a, I don't understand this. Can I try it? Uh, yeah. So that's kind of funny because yes, there's some that are like, I don't want that. They're like, they wanted nothing to do with it. Uh -huh. And then there would be those, well, let me just try it. But then when we, you know, the price is so much more for keto versus non-keto. You know, um, a pound of almond flour, four and a half, five bucks, but a pound of regular flour, we're talking 35 cents. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you can see there's a huge difference here just in the one ingredient, let alone all the other ingredients that we put into this. So sometimes the price would deter them away from it because they were getting a smaller size. So a two by four bar was essentially the same price as a bar that was a two by, uh, a two by two square was the same size price as the two by four and price. So they're like, well, why would I get the smaller one when I can get the bigger one for the same price type? That's kind of where it was at. And so some of them wouldn't do that. But then People started watching me and they're like, wow, look at you. Like, you're really taking this seriously. And I'm like, yeah, because it works. I'm pain free after 10 years of chronic pain. Why mm -hmm. wouldn't I do this? Right. Mm -hmm. And then they started it. And I have so many customers that switched and turned keto because of watching what I was doing and they didn't have to give up their sweet treats. Mm -hmm. Really? So um, it's... It's amazing to me how many people didn't know what keto was when we first started the first year that we were baking keto. Mm -hmm. Now, the most common um, comment or responses is, oh my God, look how many items you had. And, and, or they'll say, I expected you to have one or two items, mm -hmm. but you have 40 plus keto. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, because I don't want you to feel like 
you're isolated out. And if we create a product that tastes great and gives you variety and options, then you can be successful at this lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And we're both a part of the Omaha Food Lovers Facebook group. And Mm -hmm. I feel like one of the most common questions or posts that comes up on there, people are constantly asking for where are keto-friendly options in Omaha? Where are keto-friendly options? Keto-friendly options. Like that, that is something that people really care about now. It is really, really catching on. And the Omaha Bakery is always one of the first things that's mentioned because you guys have established yourselves as not only a place that offers a lot of options, but I think something that's very important is, and you mentioned this earlier, you're dependable. Like you're not bending the rules and offering something and offering it as keto, but you know, there's, there's an asterisk on that. You guys are doing it for real. It's a hundred percent legit. And that's, that's, we're given our ketofied stamp of approval on the product. And we're like, listen, if you're coming to me, I'm going to give you what I would feel comfortable eating. I know there's 65 names for sugar. And I know what is okay and what isn't. And I don't want to give you something that isn't okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's not easy because nobody taught me how to figure macros. Like all of this has all been self-taught. And I still am learning and trying to figure things out, you mm-hmm. know. But if we all learn together, we can be successful together. So that's something else that I'm very interested in is like when you first decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make keto desserts. Where do you even start? Because you have this whole career of baking, but this is like a whole new curveball that gets thrown in. Like this is a completely new thing. How, how do you, are you doing research? Or are you just experimenting? Like how do you start developing that line? Well, okay. So cheesecake is my specialty. Okay. And that's what Duff said was the best he'd ever had on the Food Network. Yes, he did. Right? That was so a big moment. that's kind of my claimed fame. The so, raspberry cheesecake. He loved right, it. Right, raspberry white chocolate cheesecake. So I felt like to do justice, the first thing I really needed to learn how to do was New York cheesecake mm-hmm. that would be comparable. So a raspberry white chocolate cheesecake, mm-hmm. right? So that was my first creation that was successful. I tried some bars and stuff, but I wasn't really crazy about them. But cheesecake was instant success Mm -hmm. because it was something I just like, oh, okay, I just got to do this. I got to do that. And I did some research into it. I kind of followed some pages that um, on Facebook and I started pinning things on Pinterest. And I just really started reading and just soaking it all in. And then um, I went to Lemon Bars next because my Lemon Bars are well known at the Omaha Bakery. I felt like, okay, if I, you know, the items that I feel like I can do really, really well, I'm going to do cheesecake and Lemon Bars and then we'll just slowly add. And, And that's really what it was, was taking something I already knew and understood really well and then trying to ketify it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. And then it just kept on growing from there. That it's, yeah, it's, it's become something. Cause like you mentioned, you know, you guys have basically a whole section of the bakery is devoted to keto. Now you have brownies, bread, cakes, all, all kinds of stuff that, you know, people that satisfy 
multiple lifestyles. Yeah, which we is have donuts fantastic. that are keto. We have cinnamon rolls, peanut butter rolls, cookies. Um, we have um, the cheesecakes and cakes. There's a dozen different types of cakes and cheesecakes for sale by the slice mm-hmm. for people when they come in if they're here looking for keto. Mm-hmm. And there's the same thing if you're not. Yeah, it, you know, yeah. like that's you, the beauty of it. Yeah. yeah, it serves both crowds. Yep. You might have mentioned this already, but I'm going to ask it anyway. And it might not even be a fair question because it's like asking you to choose your favorite child. But what is your personal favorite thing to eat at the Omaha Bakery? That's keto or not? Either. Just in general. What If you could order one thing that you bake, what is your absolute favorite? Cherry pie. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because that's great. So as a child... My grandma and I, she taught me how to make pies at a very young age. And we would pick sour tart cherries off the cherry tree and pit them and make the cherry pie. And cherry pie is my all-time favorite thing in the whole wide world. Mm. It is so, like, it reminds me of the farm. It, like, it brings back the best of memories, right? Mm -hmm. So cherry pie is definitely my all-time favorite. It's got to be made just a certain way. Now, Making it keto, it's not the same. Mm-hmm. I, and then that would not be my first choice item. But if I could eat anything in the bakery that I would be able to make, and it was what of all things to trump, it would be cherry pie. My next thing, if it was keto, would probably we we've um we've been doing this lemon uh, pound cake. Mm-hmm. with a, a streusel topping and a lemon glaze. And my grandma loved lemons. And so anything lemon really sets out for me. So that like most of my things are grandma things, you know, Uh Um, the almond white wedding cake has always been one of my favorites because that's another grandma recipe, but definitely cherry pie hands and cherry pie, cheesecake, you know, anything. It's all good. I've had a lot of desserts from the Omaha bakery. I've not had the cherry pie. So you just gave me another reason to come back. So the cherry pie is done for certain holidays. Ah, okay. okay. So the cherry pie, you can't come in and get right it's, now. It's a specialty item. It is. Yeah. So we would have done it for Easter, but the COVID hit. Right. Right. But we do them for Thanksgiving. And that's a big, and who knows, maybe maybe for 4th of July, I'll throw some out. But it just depends on time and things like that. I but I'm doing cherry cheesecake for Mother's Day. And cherry cheesecake, it's made with my homemade cherry pie filling and oh, New York go. style cheesecake. So it's kind of like that would be the next best thing. Gotcha. Um, as we wind down here, I want to be respectful of your time, but I, I just, I'm very curious in, in this last question. I know a lot of people who are very good home bakers who can make awesome cookies, bread, whatever it is in small batches. What and and they've toyed around with the idea where it's like, oh, you know, maybe I should open a bakery or some people have told them, oh, you know, you should open a bakery or whatever. I know that that is just a very, very difficult thing to do. And people don't really understand that if if someone were seriously looking into starting a bakery or owning a bakery, what would be your advice to them? Um, I would tell them it was the it would be the hardest thing they ever did. I was two weeks short of 10 years without a paycheck. Uh-huh. So you, like, my husband's, my husband, his love and support helped me get 
stay open, keeping it going. So I had to have that support there. And it's the hardest job you'll ever have because you are the last person to get paid. You work the most hours. And it just because it works at home doesn't mean it's always going to work in a place where you have overhead and expenses. Mm-hmm. And the longer you can do it without that overhead, the better off you're going to be. Because once you're committed into a space and those expenses, it isn't easy to walk away. Mm-hmm. It, it just goes back to you know what you've hit on many times. And I think that is so evident just in hearing you describe your desserts and stuff. It is just so much love. And like, it's such a cliche when, you know, when someone makes something and they say, oh, my special ingredient is love or whatever. But I think that like the pa- maybe passion is a better word that like there is something about that 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 does make food better. I feel like I, I, I believe that people in the baking and even in the culinary industry, unless you're like the top of the top in a in a big city or where you're getting the top dollar, the margins for restaurants and bakeries are so small mm-hmm. that that you're not going to get rich in a bakery being a bakery owner or being a restaurant owner with one. Like it, it's not easy to make a living and to, 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 to make a wage to pay your bills at home. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You might pay your bills in the business right but it's the at some point you have to say i'm in this to make a living and this is where it needs to be and that is so challenging that it has to be love to Mm -hmm. stay with it as long as what i have and for so many other there are so many businesses out there and and these owners have put everything they've got into it and you know it isn't because they're taking in a big check it's because they're passionate and they love what they do. Mm-hmm. So listeners, if you want to experience that type of love in a in the form of a piece of cake, in a piece of cheesecake, in some brownies, whether that's keto or non-keto, get to the Omaha Bakery. Trust me, I've been there several times. We've never been anything less than thrilled. Everything is delicious. This is a place worth visiting, and Michelle, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, Dan. All right, Omaha, thank you so much for listening, and uh, just keep coming back. We're going to keep having awesome guests just like this one today, and I get, yeah, that's it. I don't have anything else to say. Thanks for reading with me. A Parkville Media Production.